What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today, well, we're both really excited because if you heard our last episode, you know that we were talking about a very specific author and she's here now. It's Laura Tempest-Zakroff. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Hi, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the, in the virtual space, right? Very liminal. Very liminal. <laughs> So the first thing we want to do is just talk about the fact that the books that we have read on the podcast or for the podcast have been, the first one was Sigils. Sigil Witchery, yeah, which was my fave. (laughs) And the second one was Weave the Liminal. So those are the two books that the audience, if they've read on their own is one thing, but those are the two that they're familiar with us talking about. So anyway, Gemini, do you want to start? Yeah, I want to dive right in with um, something you mentioned in Weave the Liminal, because you talked about how you're constantly asked how you got into witchcraft. And so I don't want to ask you how you got into witchcraft, but I do want to know, you know, if there's a part of your sort of origin story that has impacted your path the most, or if there are ways that the neophyte is still present in your path today. Oh, that's a a good question. You know, I think what has really impacted my my path depends on where I am in my life and because we can say everything happened oh when I was a teenager or I was in college or in my 20s and my 30s etc there's always some sort of impactful event that changes the course like and you don't even know it as it's happening which is why I like to call this path a serpentine path right because we are always shifting and changing and shedding skins and sometimes doubling back um I happened to be thinking the other night, um, we just did a, a sort of a relaxed full moon ritual uh, with uh, just a, an informal gathering of friends. And it was simply standing together and doing a little chat for a few minutes and then going back to like wine and cookies. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, that was amazing. That was powerful. And thinking about the times where we were like, oh, we have to be in this organized structure and has to do these specific things and the altar has to do this way and it takes three hours of our time and you don't feel any more magical at the end. And thinking like all of these different group experiences over the years and really what it comes down to is being with like-minded folks Mm -hmm. who know that it doesn't take a lot, Um, that just being present makes all the difference. So I I feel like I keep learning that lesson Yeah, (laughs) again and again. But um, the other night was just another reminder of like, wow, it can be, you know, I say this to people, I'm like, it can be simple. It can be simple, but it's like what it still happens. Like, yes, yes. You know, make my own shoes here. <laughs> and I think that's like so powerful to hear because so many of us think that like, oh, we have to, it has to be the way that we see other people do it. And to hear like, people who have published multiple books and are like well-known be like, no, yeah, I also am learning that same thing. Like, yeah, we're all sitting there thinking it's going to be complicated and then it's not supposed to be complicated. And it should be an enjoyable experience. That's the the thing too, is if you're going to practice outside of being independent, right? If you're going to, if you're going to do things with other people, it should be enjoyable. It should make you feel wonderful. It should make you feel stressed or anxious or, you know, um, negged upon for doing something wrong like all of that kind of stuff like nobody needs that (laughs) we have enough of that in everyday life yeah uh that your magical life should also be as fluid and as powerful and as simple um enjoyable Uh, otherwise mm, get to re-examine it (laughs) 
So when I was looking at your list of publications, the first thing that shows up is actually belly dance instructional videos Mm -hmm. and listening to the way you're talking about being passionate and working with like-minded people. I think this tracks as to sort of how the transition happened, but was this a conscious decision for you to go from belly dancing into witchcraft or was it sort of more of another liminal nebulous thing? And can you tell us a little bit about how that worked? Sure. So I got into belly dance way after I got into witchcraft <laughs> and it, it sort of happened as um, when I was in college, one of my best friends who was practicing with, um, she moved, she graduated a year ahead of me and moved back to California. And, and she calls me, she's like, I just saw the most amazing street performance. There were these belly dancers. They were so powerful. And like, look at these photos. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Do we have anything like this in Rhode Island? Not quite at the time, but there was, there was a long history of belly dance, of oriental style belly dance in Rhode Island. And so I showed it to the other folks I was practicing with it. By the time we had a pagan society, I was like, check this out. And like, let's do it. So we found classes and we started taking classes with the worst teacher. Terrible. But I was so like, yeah, like, I want to learn this thing. I feel drawn to it powerfully. I'm just going to keep trudging through because I'm doing, you know, my nerd out thing, which means like before I take classes, I've already researched Mm -hmm. everything. I've read as many books as possible. You know, search the, the, it was the early days of the internet. So there wasn't too much. Uh, And like, just kept battling through. We took uh, a lot of what we learned though um, from not so much from that class, but the next teacher that we learned from and said, how does this work in ritual? And immediately started exploring with music and with movement, uh, you know, not really quite knowing what the hell we were doing, but (laughs) it was powerful. It was amazing. And that became really an impactful thing. Now I went on to become a professional dancer. And when I moved to the Bay Area, joined up with my friend, the, the pagan and witch aspect of things in California was much different than Rhode Island. People were like, "Mm, yeah, whatever, you're a witch. (laughs) You know, it's like, we're versus New England in the 90s, where it's like, ooh, I, you know, we all have to group together and it's very conservative here, <clears throat> you know, and so it just became kind of a more of a relaxed in the background thing. And I also didn't want to be like the ballet dancing witch. <laughs> yeah. And now it's sort of like, well, I'm a witch who dances and, you know, I really love that aspect of it. But for a while, it was like trying to keep it separated. So, you know, it's like we're bringing ritual elements in, but I didn't want to be that tagline and yeah, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's a complicated root ball. Yeah. I feel that as a Gemini where I like have a million different interests and I don't ever want to be just the one interest. Yes. Very oh, call me that one label. I have 20. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you could meet all my other personalities. <laughs> um, I For people who are interested in dance, I think it can be a very intimidating thing, especially if you're trying to incorporate it into witchcraft. Um, For folks who like are having trouble letting go, do you have a recommendation of how to start incorporating that into their practice? Yes. First starts with with breathing and recognizing the body, which is why I put the ritual workouts uh, on YouTube because it's, it's really hard to learn dance from a book. And DVDs can be really sort of intimidating. And it's also kind of a dead format. Yeah. <laughs> you believe like that's happened in such a short amount of time. They're like, oh, it's on DVD. Don't you have digital download? Like that type of thing. But 
and of course with the pandemic hasn't been very easy to go to in-person classes as well which you know really feeds into the social environment like you when you're dancing with other people suddenly it doesn't seem like the focus is on you so much you're more you know focused on the group so i know classes have started up in some places and but it's still kind of a, a dodgy area for folks especially if you're immunocompromised so what i recommend is checking out things that are simple and approachable this is why the ritual workouts start with breath and simple movement exercises and really introducing you to your own body uh, because we tend to think about dance as something that's choreographed that's very structured and it's not and it doesn't have to be that way and if you're worried about making the movements look right instead of how they feel you're always going to be behind and that's sort of like when we are doing any sort of magical ritual aspects right we should be thinking about how they feel like well how does it feel to call in air or to invoke something, right? Like, how does it feel rather than, have I got the words very precise? Have I done the exact same gesture? You know, like, you're not in the present in the moment. Uh, so that's that's what I recommend is just kind of start with breath, start with the easy things, play around and have fun. And then you'll be able to kind of think about, oh, how do I want this to look down the line? And you'll be there. Listening to you talk about that and listening to how you've written about witchcraft just it's like a little lightning bolt because it the way you're describing dance is the way I think a lot of witches feel about magic because it's very you know oh well I have to do ceremonial magic I have to do my ritual just like this I have to everything has to be perfectly choreographed and in reality just focus on your breathing focus on what feels right and if your body moves with it your body moves with it um exactly I love that <laughs> and I also think how people interpret movement um, is so personal. And yet we still feel that we have to quote unquote, get it right, mm -hmm. right for somebody else. But if this is how it feels right to you, it could look completely bizarre to somebody else. It feels right to you. It's yours. It's your interpretation. It's your body. And just, you know, but we talked last year, we said that last year on the podcast was all about giving ourselves permission to do whatever it is. Cause I feel like we still are very much like, can't do that. Even though there's no like big brother, big sister, anybody, any big entity telling us not to, it's in our heads, you know, society mm -hmm. is in our heads. So it's like, give yourself permission. Speaking of permission, you have given yourself permission to be everywhere. And I'm obsessed <laughs> and I love it. So from spell a day to the witch's companion, to the calendar, to, I mean, you're everywhere. Do you have a favorite anthology that you participate in? Oh gosh, it's, well... <laughs> The, the thing that I've been most passionate about is obviously the, the New Aradia and the Gorgon's Guide, which are the ones I edit. So I feel like that's a bit cheating, but it's something that's like the fire that burns in my soul. Of like, how do we get more magical resistance out there? How do we bring diverse voices together? And so those are the ones that like are tied to my soul. Um, I enjoy doing the ones that Llewellyn um, that, you know, puts out in the Witch's Almanac. Like that was a big thing for my, you know, the first time my stuff appeared in the Witch's Almanac, which when I was a little baby witch or witch lit, right? I'd be like, ooh, this, this, you know, secret guide made on paper that's very plain. It's very, ooh, <laughs> you know, it's like, and now I'm like, <laughs> now it's fancy in full color <laughs> kind of thing. And what's really funny about publishing is you write something and then like a year and a half or two years later, it shows up like the spell a day stuff cracks me up because you know, I, I write those in a bit of a frenzy because um, I'm like, just got to get this done. I'm in the zone, like when it happens and it just comes together. 
because uh, as I you know talk about Weevil, I'm really not a big spell person, <laughs> but I write really good spells. It's like yeah. so when they post them, like they the year that they come out, I'm like, I wrote this. This is good. <laughs> yeah, they are good. They are very fun, and I enjoy them a lot. So please keep <laughs> pumping them out, even if you're not doing them. <laughs> I did do. I don't know what I just finished ones. I guess it'll be. 2024 or 2025. I, don't, I have no concept of time. I'm like, all right. I've been very good though. I've put 2023 on everything I've had to date so far. So doing okay. Good for you, because I haven't. <laughs> Is it a different vibe when you participate as an author versus an artist? Because you're also an artist. So um, do you sometimes wish that people would like say, no, we want more of your artwork? Or do you feel, you know, it's a different? It, it can be. Uh, I definitely have some strange head monkeys when it comes to my art versus writing you know writing is something they're both things I've done for for a large chunk of my adult even teenage life you know art has gone through my entire life uh but when I started dancing it kind of took a backseat I obviously making costumings and I'm creating art in a different way but visual art really wasn't the main focus I didn't have the space I didn't have the support for it and so now that you know I'm doing and I mean my art is major part of my living but I'm like thinking about projects where there are fully illustrated books like full color things and talking with different publishers and such you know I had one that's like we would like you to write a witch book like okay I would like to fully illustrate it and they're like we'll get back to you on that (laughs) you know but there's also trends right so right now that digitally created very streamlined very comic uh look is very in with publishers right now and that's not how my art is so it's like at the same time, you know, so it, it, it's weird, you know, and then the other thing is dancing is occasionally my partner's like, am I, and my partner's a dancer, and I'm like, oh, I'm also an artist and author, so the Gemini label thing, and I'm like, yeah. don't, don't put the, you know, because people, people also think different things, right, when they hear these labels, so depending on the company, people say dancer, and they're like, oh, you're dancer, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, you're a writer, what, what, what stories do you write, <laughs> you know, I can write about witchcraft, oh, <laughs> it's yeah, funny. You know, so it's it's just such a whatever environment it is, and you know what what are the curtain trends in the world? Um, yeah, that but that's my thing. Like twenty twenty three, I'm trying to make more of a art focused year and getting back into that, but also continuing to marry it with what I write. Please, because I would like more books always. <laughs> yeah, okay, noted. <laughs> write it down. <laughs> you know, I also think about. AI and how that's affecting things, you know, like when you look at decks now, you know, I look at them a little bit more critically, like, where did this come from? You know, is this, mm-hmm. does somebody just did some AI and they just basically just stole from other artists. So I think it's so important when artists are like, yeah, I'm doing more decks. I'm doing more artwork because, you know, it's, it's what we really need, especially in the craft. I mean, God, you know, yeah. and we've gone, we've gone through quite a journey. I remember when the first Photoshopped decks came out near the first digital manipulation, which, you know, that's come a long way too, but there was a sort of uncanny valley effect in like those early decks in the early 2000s were like, it's neat, but something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's evolved and it's got better. And of course, you know, so much digital art's gotten so much more painterly, which is different than AI. Like I have um, the Lubanko Tarot, Emily Lubanko, amazing digital artist. And it looks to me very painterly. Like I'm not thinking immediately this was created through a you know digital manipulation yeah. or you know through digital drawing which still looks different than 
traditional media. So, yeah, but I'm, even though I use Photoshop occasionally to clean things up, it's still that, like, I'm not really terribly worried about the AI effects. My art's never going to look like that. Yeah. It's a well, I will say for anybody who's listening, because I just found out about this this morning, apparently Photoshop has this setting now where they are, you have to like turn it off or they're going to take your art and put it in their AI generator. So if you're listening and you do art, make sure you check in that setting because I have a lot of feelings about like copyright and you keeping your, and so just everybody check that, please. Thank yeah. you. It's unfortunate that we can't just opt, you know, just you should be able to opt in versus having to opt out in the first place. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Like ah, nobody knows, nobody reads, <laughs> which is true, but yeah, I mean, they do it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any magical practice or ritual before you set out to write something? Um, it's, it's so much time in my head of the vision like what is this going to be how is it going to happen and then once I sit down to write uh you know my desk needs to be fairly clean there's going to be a pile of books on the floor that's that's how it is you have to navigate that in the cats and uh and then once it happens it's always a changing experience and I write about this the newest book that came out visual alchemy is the funny thing about the, like the introduction like the introduction little ones usually they want like the introduction is part of the proposal. <laughs> so you write that and then I write the book and then I rewrite the introduction because there's the idea of the book and then there's the experience and what comes through as I'm writing it and the more information, and, you know, some people call it the download. Uh, it's like, where is it coming from? I don't know. Is it the universe? Is it, is it me? Is it mm-hmm. deities, spirit, whatever, whatever. I don't care. I'm not going <laughs> to into the dissecting that uh, but I know there's the urge right to you know explore something or did I talk about this um, and the funny thing is sometimes I've already talked about that <laughs> and I go back to add it and I'm like I did that I did that already so it becomes a very frenzied thing because that's all I can do in life <laughs> it's like when it, when it's time to write that's it I wish I could be one of those people who's like I'm going to get up and from 10 to 12 today, I will just write. And then I'll take care of the other things. Like, no, <laughs> it's going to be a slog. It's going to be eight to 12 hours or longer. And that's what it's going to be. And it, it seems like it's written in a short amount of time, but there's all of the prep work. I am, which is different. Like the thinking about the way I think about art, the way I think about a dance, like all of those things are hours and hours of processing in the background. And then here I am <laughs> stuck here. This yep. is where I live. This is where the magic happens right here. Uh, and then I kind of emerge stumbling out and be like, okay, now that's my editor's problem. <laughs> it's that hyper-focus where you just like, you go in and then time disappears and you come out and you're like, I did it. Where am I? <laughs> yeah. I wrote a book. You always, for, for me personally, it's like, it's, I think we're at just number 11 will be coming out next year. And I'm like, how to write book? How to write book? I made <laughs> words. Time how you know like it doesn't matter that these like, there's a stack here that's like proven i've done it I'm like i don't think i forgot how to ride a bike how do, I do, how do we do this and and then you sort of ease past the panic yeah and it happens i want to talk about a couple of books specifically okay. um first of all i am upset that we didn't get full color illustration for weave the liminal because i loved the art in it and it would i just i'm mad about it so Llewellyn Hay. Everybody, publishers. <laughs> Can I tell you something? 
Yes. <laughs> the art for the interior, I made in black and white. <laughs> that was smart, honestly. That was like very clever. That was a, a good bypass of that system. But I would like all publishers going forward to put full color art because I just think it would be so much fun and it would make my day. So I, <laughs> for the publishers who are listening. I agree. I just knew. I asked them. I'm like, I was smart. Any chance it's going to be in full color? And they're like, nope. Mike, right. I'm doing these all in grayscale. Uh, at least I'll know they'll reproduce well. And that's what I pretty much did. Almost did for Anatomy of a Witch, but I did a wash so they look like grayscale. And then when I did the Oracle deck, I went back in and did full color. That's that was smart. That makes so much sense. Yes, but I am all for full color. That's that's really my my next golden. It's even like when when Scorpio and I talk about tattoos, like I'm always like, I want color in everything. I want to be a color tattoo bitch. So I just want, I just feel like color brings like a vibrancy mm-hmm. and it's magic. Like we want it to be vibrant. I feel like that's, I want it to be vibrant. I'm sorry if I'm putting that on other people. Tattoo, I want it to be vibrant. I have no color in my tattoos. I was like, no, I'm not doing it. When we talk about Weave the Liminal, were you, was this something you were like very called to write or was this sort of like, um, more of a request from the public, like, I, I want context for the, the Laura Tempest-Zakros mythos. Tell me about modern traditional witchcraft. It, it is um, pretty much the book that I started writing in my mid, early to mid-20s. Um, because like this isn't, you know, I already had an idea because of what I was experiencing leading groups and in being involved with different witches and pagans that my approach was different. And it was helping a lot of people because people were saying as I was teaching them, like, wow, no one's presented this before. So I knew that there was something there, but because of life, because of technical (laughs) difficulties, because of whatever, that book died in a horrible hard drive and motherboard fry. So it was like, okay, I'll take it out as a sign from the universe. And I'm really thankful because what things you write in your 20s are best left, not exposed to the world. Quite, quite the asshole then. I mean, I'm still a bit of an asshole now, but that, that was really, um, really had that particular focus. So I had an idea, like, this is where I kind of wanted to go, but the other books, like, so The Witch's Cauldron, that was the first book that Llewellyn published, it's actually, it wasn't the first book I proposed to them. The The first book I proposed was, was Visual Alchemy. Um, it's slightly different form than it took now, right? And this has been the most recent book. Mm-hmm. I told the publisher I was at Pantheon. They have like this little like five minute, you know, give a give a proposal, and we'll tell you if we think we like it or tell you to go to hell. No, they they would never do that. So at this thing, I know I like talked about this idea, and Bill, the publisher, is like, "Yes, send us the proposal. We want this. We definitely. There's nothing on the market like this. Please send us to." I'm like, "Great. Fuck. Now I have to write a book. (laughs) I have to write a proposal." Uh, And it's so close to my heart that I. I really had trepidation of like, how do I put this out there? And mm-hmm. then when I saw Lissy did a call out for the witch's cauldron, I was like, I can write that book. I can write that book. I I love cauldrons, but it's not going to crush my soul if everyone mm-hmm. hates this book. <laughs> Surprise, people didn't hate the book. And they're like, that was really, we really like this. You should do, you know, what do you think about it? I'm like, I'll let you know when the next thing happens. And then Sigil Witchery actually happened to be, you know, like a year later, I taught that workshop and be like, you should write a book on this. Like, really? Okay, I'll go do that. Uh, and so once that was done, it was time for We the Liminal. I'm like, okay, these books have gone out into the world. Um, I have not burned it to a crisp from, you know, general opinions or whatever for exposing parts of my soul. Uh, here's the biggie. Mm-hmm. And so that was really 
the book that I, I did wish I had when I was starting out and kind of my love letter to all of us in the 90s and the early O's who've like trudged through all of the books that everyone recommends mm-hmm. and still recommends because they haven't read them in 20, 30 years. And like, no, this is not how it has to be. We don't have to have all of this stuff. We don't have to have this patriarchal bullshit inserted into our witchcraft. We don't have to have this you know, gender binary inserted into everything. And so I had an ax to grind. <laughs> I had several, I have a whole collection of axes. Yeah. They're very nicely ground down. <laughs> so you know, that's why I often say it's like, it's not a beginner book for now because some people, a lot of people aren't going to be introduced to what you were supposed to read back in that time. And so you're kind of starting in a more beautiful, a beautiful meadow. Yeah. A confusing meadow, but still a beautiful meadow. Instead One of, of being like- I said on the podcast when we read it is that this book is so great to read with some of those older books to sort of like, okay, well- do this and then go back and read maybe Gardner and some of those older texts and see the relationship. Because I think, you know, our first year was very much me reading those books for the first time. And I had been practicing for, you know, 10 years before we started and being like, oh, wow, it was really helpful for me to not read these. (laughs) But the historical context is so important for our movement. It's nice to have something that's like, hey, here's the vibe. You can look at those, but this is the vibe you're probably going to want more. Mm-hmm. And did you intend with Weave the Liminal to create a related oracle deck from the jump? Because um, I got Liminal Spirits for Christmas <laughs> from Scorpio and I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> uh, no, it was totally a other random approach of at that time I was actively doing the art show at Dragon Con and mm-hmm. for folks who don't know Dragon you know it's a very very big fandom convention in Atlanta like I think it's up to 80 or 90,000 people now I'm not, I haven't been for a while because pandemic I was participating in the art show and I needed to create some originals pretty fast and I'm like, oh, I'm going to do some ones that are based on spirits, which I've been doing little spirit paintings for a while, but I have this little stack and I'm like, I'm going to do six to 10 of these things. And so there was the mushroom spirit and foxglove and a sheep spirit and the deer, um, and a few different things like that. And I had so much fun communing with the spirits and creating those pieces that as I'm sending them off to the show, I was writing my editor. I'm like, so <laughs> you want to do a deck? <laughs> I have an idea for a deck. I know, like, I know I said, maybe I'll do a tarot deck or this. I'm like, this is what I want to do. I'm very excited about this. And they're like, sure, go ahead and do it. And then I had to sit down and do it. <laughs> like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. That's the problem is you commit to things and then you have to do the things. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, this, this is a natural series of consequences. Uh, but you know, it's still that running into the here it is reproduced in 42 cards, full color distributed among the world. Like what is it, you know, what's going to happen? I don't know. Great. That's, that's how, and it came tied into that because of dealing with the spirit aspect Mm -hmm. of it. So, you know, that we talk about in there and seeing that the right system could be worked into that. Um, So that's really the right system is the, the little tangential hold of, putting that together because they're like we should call it the weave liminal deck i'm like it's not really weave liminal deck it's connecting with the liminal places and spirits and such so it's it's just sort of like it's it's like doing this <laughs> it's like a tangent it's a line coming <laughs> off of weave the liminal 
Yeah. <laughs> it, it licked it and then went on its way. <laughs> One of the things you discussed that we really loved in this book is scheduling, right? Listening to your body, listening to. So here we go. So you are a, an artist, a dancer, a writer, a blogger, a YouTuber, a teacher. How do you schedule it all? Don't say I don't. <laughs> it's it's hard because I, I have been for most of my adult life a workaholic. And part of that has been um, my father was self-employed for most of the time that I was growing up. So I you know, exposed to like, got to do whatever I need to do to like raise a family and make things work, keep a house over that. And even though I'm I have cats, so <laughs> raising small, small humans, you know, so much of it was like, how do I take care of my family and my household and all of this? Um, so work, 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 work. The thing though, is that you don't have to work, 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 work all of the time. Um, and sometimes you actually do better by relaxing and not seeing like, okay, I have to go do these things. So I will, you know, how, allow things to be a bit of a hyper-focus for a while, but realize that I don't have to commit and keep doing a thing, especially if it's not fulfilling my soul. Uh, so like the ritual workouts, we have 150 of them. Maybe I'll do more, but I'm not doing it as a commitment anymore, right? That it has to be a thing. And when it comes to putting up a blog, like I'm, I think on Pathios, I'm supposed to put like two or three up a month or a week or something. And now I'm like, mm. I'm still being able to log in. So they haven't cut me off yet. They would never, I would fight them personally. (laughs) You know, it's good to you put those things up there. So I've really been learning how to balance that out. And with the pandemic too, has been a really appreciating being home. Like I I love, I love events. Um, I'm a, I am an introvert. I am so much an introvert. Like I don't like crowds of people, but I love which events I love mm-hmm. being able to like meet in a some little lounge in the corner or somebody's hotel room where there's like 20 of us discussing esoteric bullshit and drinking you know and and just having like in meeting people you wouldn't have otherwise met uh and really face to face without all the internet bullshit uh those like those little connections that happen that's really special so finding a balance between I don't have to do all the events, but I'm going to do the events that make me feel good, that I'm excited about, that I'm going to see people that I you know, want to spend time with and instead of saying yes to everything. So it has been a balance of figuring out, okay, one big thing a month that takes me out from away from my home. And then in the last year, I've been focusing on local stuff. So we have a, um, I and two other folks have created something called Key and Serpent, which is a modern traditional witch collective. It's not a coven. It's just more of a mixing education and ritual experiences so people can get that hands-on experience that everything doesn't have to be tightly structured or hierarchical or anything like that. So I want to be able to have that time. Uh, So it's going, okay, well, that happens once a month and this happens once a month. And then in between finding time to be creative, um, you know, and letting myself follow things instead of being stressed out of like, I have to make so much money a day. Um, that's, that's, that's tough. It really is tough, but that's really been the lesson. I think in the last four to five years, <laughs> like, have I learned it? <laughs> I'm stealing collective also, cause I am notoriously anti-coven on this podcast. Um, and I love the idea of us being wish space collective instead of wish space coven. Sure. So I'll put a little, you know, little note, stole this from Laura Tempest Zakroff. <laughs> Where's your Capricorn placement? 
because <laughs> you're giving that's a lot of Capricorn energy that just happened right there. <laughs> and after look, I I am also so big big confession, which is even more ridiculous than you think about it, because um, you know, I just co-wrote Gemini Witch with Evo Dominguez. <laughs> <laughs> like we like you to write Gemini which I'm like you know I'm not a big astrologer right like no you just have to write being metal Gemini like that I can do that I can totally do um I am a moon sun and rising sign kind of person and the rest of it I'm like mm, probably best for not to notice my job is to know everybody else's that's okay. where I am in this so okay. like Scorpio knows nothing and I'm like yeah well it's your like Leo rising and you're this Venus like that's why you're like this <laughs> It, the, the, the other funny thing is I'd probably be more invested in it if I knew what my birth time was much earlier. So mm-hmm. uh, my mom had 27 hours of labor. Uh, and so for, and for most of my life, I didn't actually know the exact time because it wasn't on the birth certificate. That's so annoying. <laughs> like Pennsylvania is like, you were born. We think this is your gender. This is your name. Good luck with it. Uh, and like, so she finally found it, I think about six years ago. And she's like, oh, you were born at X time in the morning. And like, that is a total different time. Like that changed my rising sign. Mm-hmm. I thought I was Sagittarius rising for all of this. No, I am cancer rising. I love that. <laughs> I love a cancer. I'm a cancer moon. <laughs> and I have Virgo moon. So that that's the. Okay. The Virgo energy could be the, also that situation. Yes. That could also be why you're like work, work, work. <laughs> Work, 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 schedule, schedule, schedule. Work, yeah. Work, work, work. Um, yes. So, yeah, but that that kind of like shifted everything. Everything changed, and it's super important to know your birth time. Everybody, you got to get it right. Yeah. Well, just know now. I'm, I've learned this as an adult that my mom's idea of time and space is also very, yeah. very tangential uh, of how things work. Um, yeah, this past Christmas, I was like, no, mom, I was like 18 when that happened, not 11. <laughs> like, oh, time is a construct. Yeah. Time's fake. But it's time. Is there anything you haven't done yet that you really want to do? Like, is there a project that you're like, oh, I really wish I could get my hands to do? The thing that is, is that like the golden egg that I'm, I guess I'm chasing. I didn't even know until last year it's the thing I wanted <laughs> is to do. Um, a full color book that is, um, and I, it, it's, it's sort of in, it's in its shopping creation. <laughs> like I'm kind of shopping around to see where it will go, but I'm also, I am in the process of writing it and starting to create art for it uh, because I really love to have what I call like the beautiful book, mm-hmm. you know, but not only a beautiful book. Cause I feel like there's a lot of beautiful books on the market that are pretty much paperweights. Yeah. And that, that makes me mad because I guess I'm like, no, this is so much misinformation again. Like we're dealing with these books that are either written by AI, but look really pretty mm-hmm. or by people who, you know, have a lot of followers, but like practicing witchcraft for six months. Like we have, you know, but they have a book contract, like, and I'm not hating on that. I'm like, I feel bad for you because it's mm-hmm. going to come back later uh, <laughs> kind of thing. But being able to have something that's, uh, the true beginner book, right? So if we, the liminal is the ax to grind here, you are, you've already been through it. What about the folks who are coming out today mm-hmm. uh, who don't have to navigate through all of that? And it's a beautiful book. 
So that's kind of where my brain's at. Like I think about, you know, many years ago, um, Erica Zhang's Witches um, was like the beautiful book of the day. Now, of course, it's this big. (laughs) So it's not pocket size. And of course, it's got some information in it that you really also wouldn't want to pass around now. Um, But some of it's really beautiful and poetic and the art was stunning, you know, and to me, having something that is not just words that are deeply inspiring and practical, but also the art experience, uh, which is why, again, it's important, like, it's my art. So that's why I told the one, the one publisher is like, we want you to do this, but we'll, we'll do it in-house. I'm like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to write a Whole book. Purpose. Like, yeah, I'm like, this is what, this is what I want. This is what I told you what I want. If you don't want, you don't want merit, fine. Um, you don't get my words. Come on, publishers. Come on. So, but you know, there's different distribution networks too. So yeah. like Llewellyn is the biggest new age metaphysical publisher by terms of distribution and size, but they're really not that big. Uh, they're big to us, right? Yeah. They're big to us in the community, um, them and wiser. And then they kind of go down there, but then you've got like Simon and Schuster and you've got these ones that get into like urban outfitters and every little boutique out there, right? Mm-hmm. They're getting into those markets. And it's like, how do you those are, those are not the places you're going to find the witch books with the written by witches mm-hmm. often. I mean, yes, some of them, but not many of them. If we're lucky, some of them. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you know, that would be kind of like, it's not only, not only part of a vanity project. It's really part of, you know, it's like, I want to be able to do this as an artist and an author, but the teacher part of me goes like, but I want something out there for people that's helpful that's useful that gets you started off without all the shit that you have to sludge through to get there you know that that's kind of where um that's that's where all those eggs meet i think being a teacher kind of is a vanity project (laughs) at all times because you have to be a little bit vain to be and like as a as a teacher as we're both literally high school teachers you have to be a little bit vain to get up in front of people and be like i know this thing and you need to know this thing now (laughs) Not only do you need to know it, but you're going to love learning it. Like, yes. you're going to, and you're going to be so happy that I told you all this stuff and then you experience it. 30 years from now, you're going to remember this moment. I going to come back. Yeah, but we're making a better society, right? We're making a better society by carrying on the information and sharing it and making people excited about it too. So I don't know, is it so much vain? Is it sort of like survival of humanity? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. <laughs> Peanut butter and jelly. That goes really well with like the next thing that we wanted to bring up, which was a quote from the book. Um, We can bitch about what we don't like to see, or we can actually do something productive to provide a better example. How do you personally relate to this idea of a better example? Not necessarily just you and what you do, but like what you're seeing in the community. You, the... I feel like the best way to make actual changes is through living the process and kind of all the beautiful moments as well as the warts, right? Uh, To be realistic that, uh, you know, occasionally you set your curtains on fire and the smoke alarm and and made poor choices um, as well as like, oh, look at this beautiful night under the full moon. Um, you know, but it's also how we interact with each other. And there's, and I constantly remind of this, uh, especially when I go out into the world and it was really big this past uh, September or um, the summer into September, I was able to do two little tours 
because I did very, um, very specific about it's either outdoors or masked or vaccinated. Like I want it to be safe. It's going to be a limited amount of people. Um, cause I don't want to risk anybody's health for this. And things like you can go anywhere, anywhere in the world that, you know, I, I've been, but definitely here in North America for sure is that people are amazing and they're so curious and they're so excited. Like it doesn't matter what, which shop you go to anywhere, whether it's in Alabama or Seattle or Minneapolis, people are excited. People are dedicated. People want to explore and to learn. And, and you, you, when you just exist online, <laughs> there are so many opinions about, oh, you know, what those whatever fill in the blank people are doing, you know, oh, they're hexing the moon this week, you know, like whatever group area you want to, you know, like, I'm like, meanwhile, I'm like, that's fantastic trolling. Like, that's next level trolling. Like, go young people. Like, tell me, tell me next what you're going to do. Right. <laughs> like, I'm not going to get upset about it. You know, from, from that point to, you know, I saw somebody bitching the other day, like, here's another article about like the witch craze, like how, like, don't they know this is already happening? Like, no, people don't read the same things that you read people are this is their first day that they're going to be exposed to this like that's just how the world works we're going to need multiple articles about the same thing being published at different times because everybody's moving at their different pace but we still have more in common than we do not in common and so i think that in realizing that we're still people and that once you get past the generalizations of the internet and see that other people are struggling, other people are excited, other people are having these problems as you are and also are you know, really trying to achieve the best they can, it really has an effect. Um, I think it humbles us. I think it, it can be more creative for us. And that's where it's, again, the doing, right? You can't just bitch on the internet about it. You have to be like, okay, well, if you want a better article written, write it. You want a better book written, write it. You want a better group, make the group. Um, none of these things are easy, but it's better than bitching about it. <laughs> you also on the internet have a Patreon. Mm -hmm. um, do you find that that community allows you sort of that space to be a better example in a better way or a different way? What is, I guess, the difference for you between working online with people and in person? Um, the, the Patreon thing, it's really another sort of interesting crossroads of different things. Um, because, you know, I started it as when I um, had moved from the East Coast to Seattle and really made the jump from working as a corporate artist to... <laughs> being self-employed fully um and it was about like that journey of my visual arts and then it became part of the journey of, as a writer and all of these things combining and like why are you people here <laughs> like I'm, I'm glad you're here but why are you here uh, you know what do you want to know what do you want to see and then when the pandemic hit it made sense to be like all right well we've done a few of these online gathering things what if we did this every week um, so that we saw each other. And so that has been going on pretty much nonstop since March, 2020, you know, minus a few weeks here and there where I'm not home um, and I don't have internet connection, so I can't do it. And that those folks got to know each other. Like there's, these are people from all over the world and they've connected on Facebook and discord and they, you know, chat about their weaving projects and, um, and share, you know, what books they're writing or have read, you know, like all of that. And so 
that almost as as close to getting into physical space as possible because within that virtual environment people have shared and so I don't record them because people are often talking about oh my god you know we're in process of buying a house you know and this is what's been going wrong or or you know my pet passed away you know like people are sharing their personal lived experiences on top of, ooh, look at this shiny cauldron I bought, you know, or whatever it is that they're excited. Um, as well as, you know, we're discussing magical technique and ritual and doing ritual and, and learning um, to read for each other, right? So I think it's it's a bit different than the random, the random tides of the internet, um, because it kind of is curated uh, in that people show up and if they're excited, they're gonna keep showing up. In person, you also have who shows up to a workshop. You know, if I am traveling somewhere, then there's this unique convergence of people. Um, there's going to be the locals. Like every shop has their their click, <laughs> for better or for worse, right? Like the people who are always hanging around the shop. Um, and then there are people who are like, oh, I read their book. I'm coming in. Um, and they meet those people too. They have a neat little convergence, right? So it's the same thing with any pagan or witch event, right? Again, like people who know each other, people who don't know each other, hopefully there's a mix uh, versus the collective, right? Where we're again, building kind of what we're doing in the Zoom space, but it's even more interpersonal. But, you know, at the same time, I think sometimes people share more online than they do in person. I would agree with that 110%, especially because it took me five years of this podcast to put on my personal Instagram that I have a podcast. So there's just something about like the anonymous, son of a bitch, anonymousness and anonymity. That's where I like to say Yeah, it's the anemone, the being anonymous. Or the like not having it connected to yourself. And I like just from my own personal experience, that's been sort of integral to my own witchcraft as far as like it being this little thing that no one can take away from me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, in reading Neuradia and the Gorgon's Guide, it's also about like, okay, we have to take ownership of this and bring it into the real world. You can't be separate Mm -hmm. in every aspect. And I, I just got the Gorgon's Guide like three days ago and read the whole thing. Um, Neuradia obviously had come out before. Have you seen activism changing in the production of these texts? Like, where was the difference for you from Neuradia into Gorgon's Guide? So with the Gorgon's Guide, um, there are several key things I wanted it to fulfill that um, Neuradia was working on. Um, one is I kind of say this is the even grittier. It's it's you know, let's get down, let's get messy, let's get bloody, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's do the thing, uh, as well as being continually more diverse, right? How do we include more Black, Indigenous, and people of color, um, more queer and trans voices? How to do all of those things at once um, and build up that awareness because when you continue to be more inclusive and let like everybody is welcome at this table i'm making this table as big as i can make it Mm -hmm. so that everybody is welcome that also brings in folks who thought they were not allowed at the table which brings in more influences as well and realizing that like we're not separate in this we are kind of together working together and so that has been a factor of seeing it continue to flow and grow and get more people excited. I, when 
I started doing, started doing all this. You asked me probably like in 2014 or 15, like, are you an activist? I'm like, I'm an artist. <laughs> I go over here, make art, go to Dancy Dancy over there. Uh, you know, I've always been doing things that push boundaries uh, and, you know, whatever has been exciting. But, you know, really as we moved into 2016, I'm like, well, fuck it. <laughs> We're we activists now. I guess that's what it's called, right? Because like, we have to do the thing about it. And the other thing about those books, though, is that I kind of hoped because when the new radio came out, and Jen is like, well, let's when we're gonna do the next one, I'm like, "Hmm, I don't know, you know, what are things going to do in this next few years cycle, we have to wait and see. Uh, And my hope upon hope was I'm like, I want this work to be obsolete. I wanted to be at a point where we're like, no, we don't have to do this. Um, it will be a historical document that we're like, mm, isn't that fascinating? They had to do all this stuff. Can you believe having to fight for your reproductive rights? Yeah. How silly is that? You know, like that's that's my hope punk is that like, I want to be there in, you know, the Star Trek future. I want to be there. Like we figured out these problems, um, but it really came into the, you know, a crushing reality of 2021 you know into 2022 we're like fuck nope comes volume two right and they'd be like what about volume three i'm like it's we've got to see we got to see gotta let it percolate because there have been amazing changes though that's the thing people will say like oh none of this is working i'm like have you seen what's been happening um like this could have gone this whole narrative in the united states could have gone a whole other direction and even though there's still bullshit going on it's like watching the bullshit deteriorate in front of our eyes mm-hmm. um and the, the fact that we have so many more young people interested and signed up to vote you know versus like gen x and elder millennials who are like uh, you know i won't go into that it's a whole other thing um <laughs> like it's part of our fault but it's also not our fault uh kind of um sexual like but that that fact that we have so many more teenagers and then, then i'm like so excited by the next election we're going to have another wave who are going to be 18 who are fired up to vote I'm like yes shit's happening and so if it's inspiring people if it's getting people to be aware of it we're making changes and it's showing so it's like we have not receded into the shadows instead we are bringing things out into the light um you know to be to beat the mold out of it <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Very good. Gracie. <laughs> Gracie agrees. I think so much of your work altogether really sort of tells people everything you do can be witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and a very Gemini vibe. Right. Everything we touch can be witchcraft. Um, but it also is very much this idea of like coming back to yourself, do the thing that makes you feel comfortable, be the voice that you need in the community. And so when we look at anatomy of a witch, this idea of like embodiment and being in your witch's body, I think one was such a powerful thing to be able to give to the community, but then to also be like, all right, here are your rituals, both like in the book and on YouTube, not only, okay, be in your witch's body and here's some ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a favorite one? Do you have a favorite? Like, is there a ritual that you were like, this is the one that gets me going for witchcraft? Oh, that's hard. There's so many. There's so many. Of There's them. a lot. <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm kind of now in awe when I look back or like in a, it shows up in my Facebook feed, like the memory thing. I'm like, damn. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to, I'd have to go back and look because uh, there are different moments at different times where like I go back and like, wow, I, I covered this in this moment. You know, there was the one where there, there are all the fires that are happening in California and the idea of bringing in the rain energy, but just enough of that, but also dealing with you know, the ones that we're dealing with grief and empowerment. Um, but then like silly ones where like the cats show up and, mm-hmm. you know, we're working with pan energy. Um, so they, they each have little moments, but I think, you know, if you'll see consistently the beginnings are always the same, the breath and these just simple movements that's to me one of the most powerful things about it is these very simple movements before you get even to to what you're going to learn it's this repetition this practice um, that reminds you again yes you're going to learn something but here's what you've already absorbed into your body and honor that Uh, so those little three minutes or so of every single one almost every single one uh, I think is kind of that favorite part of like yes, this is that comfort zone you can kick into so that you can learn too, right? So kind of disarms people. And there's a lot of them. So I'm sure that not all of these were, you know, things that you did in your daily life, but did this start as I'm going to use rituals or practices that I already use, or was it kind of like free form? I need this to happen to help people. So let's make it happen. Sometimes both. Uh, So for a while there, I think they were like five. I think I started at seven. <laughs> they're like, we'll make it to five, uh, five a week. And then it went down from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had uh, something that was lunar, something that was more solar. We had a tarot card. We had an oracle card. And then we had a free form. Uh, and especially in 2021, I feel like so many of them, like I would pull a card and like, this is so poignant for the moment for what's going on that we're the justice card or today feels like a day for Baba Yaga and like whatever happened in the news cycle was like connected to that. So it was this amazing interwoven moment, you know, all these different things of like, it happened to be what was needed. And I was just tapping into that. And that's like, that's, that's witchcraft when you're doing, when you're interconnected, like, it's not like I'm going to plan all of these things out. It's more like, and this is what's on the, this is what's on the dinner plate today. Cause this is what's ready. You know, this is your farm to table witchcraft. Yes. Love that. Next book, farm to table witchcraft. <laughs> like it has nothing to do with farms or tables. I would be into it. I'm, I'm here for that. <laughs> it's also very much, you know, this idea of connection with others, your anatomy of which Oracle art is on exhibit at the Buckland museum. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you make that connection? How did that come about? So I think it's 2019, uh, before the world shut down and 2019 did a tour that went to, um, Ohio and, you know, pretty much from Rhode Island, Ohio and, and kind of back and around. And one of those stops was the Buckley museum. Cause I had reached out to Steven, uh, much earlier and it's like, hey, if you're ever through, you know, we'll do a workshop or something. We sell some of your books here. So come on in. And, uh, at that event, that's where he really got into the sigil witchery method. So I thought it's class I taught there and saw more of the art in person. And he's like, if you want to do an exhibit, I know a guy. <laughs> I'm the guy. <laughs> and I was like, great. I need a body of artwork. 
So I'll get back to you on that because I was working on, actually that was just past Liminal Spirits. So the, so Liminal Spirits came out in 2020, but the art was created in 2019. And that had already been an exhibition at Mortlake and Company in Seattle and sold out like right before I moved, I'm like, I'm going to do a solo exhibition, sell most of this work, which will help pay for the move. And then gone. So like that huge body of work, 42 paintings was already mostly dispersed into the world. And so I said to him, like, let me see, I've got an idea maybe for another Oracle. And sure enough, in 2020, as I was working on Anatomy of a Witch, and my, my procrastination tendency, as I like to say, is like, I'm working on the book. And meanwhile, I'm like sending my editor, I'm like, yeah, so I have another idea. She's like, finish the book. I'm like, no, 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 I have time. I have an idea. This is what's coming. It's what's related to the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I finished that art, I reached out to Steve and I was like, so I've got a body of art. When do we want it? And, you know, with the whole, you know, what was going on or like, mm, what kind of timing? And it just worked out that, you know, the world opened up enough um, that I could bring the art, deliver it in person and do the exhibition. So that, that was, you know, to, from 2019 up until when it opened in this past September, like that's how long it took for the art to be made, for the mm-hmm. designs to, you know, to schedule everything and make it happen. So uh, but it's, it was, that was super exciting. I'm like, I'll tag it in a museum. So speaking of procrastination, because I do follow you on Twitter, uh, what can you tell us about this cool Oracle deck idea that you had that came out of nowhere? <laughs> <laughs> can you tell us anything? It might be related to sigil witchery. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yes. I already sent the proposal into my editor. Um, actually I said I have an idea and then eight hours later I sent her the proposal and like I hadn't even gotten a response to the first email and the the next email I get the next day it's like you're so funny (laughs) like oops so funny means yes right (laughs) (laughs) oops I made an oracle um because I actually in the time it took for me to send the idea out I already painted everything (laughs) it's going to be the base designs they're all over my floor uh and so if publisher doesn't want it i will probably self-publish it and like can have it out sooner than expected but we'll know probably next couple weeks please and thank you universe make that happen for me (laughs) could be fun could be exciting hopefully smaller though (laughs) part of the idea is that the cards are half the size and i still love a tiny deck if it's you know like this it's like this it's like it's like two it's like the crescent moons reverse there we go <laughs> which is very on brand for us as witches <laughs> to have the crescent moons it's like it's waxing and waning uh because they they've gotten to the one's gotten to the point of like i think most of the oracles need to be one size like they try to keep the boxes the same size mm-hmm. i understand all that but like when anatomy when i was proposing anatomy i was like it's almost gonna be smaller and they're like no yeah. Like, but it, it's big and little hands They're like, no, it stays the same. Um, so at, to, to everybody who's like, why is it so big? I did, maybe one day we'll get tiny little spirits and tiny anatomy, which wouldn't that be cool? So yes, like, well, and ask them. Uh, but this one, I was like, we can put it in the same box, but we have to cut it. Half. This episode is just me figuring out reasons why I need to harass Llewellyn. <laughs> <laughs> note, note, note. I'll fight them about books, this, fight them about that. Decks. Cards are too big. 
Like I do, I know, I hear, I listen to folks and some of these things are totally outside of my control. Um, Unless I want to do the whole, whole, you know, kit and caboodle myself. And unfortunately, you know, as you can see my very dedicated worker over here, um, not so great on shipping orders. Yeah. She will include fur in all of your orders though. Uh, She should, thank you very much. (laughs) That's her hard work. She's like. (laughs) So. As we sort of go through the books, tell us a little bit about Visual Alchemy, which is your most recent release. Um, is it a follow-up to Sigil Witchery? Is it more of a spiritual follow-up? And did you always intend to follow up Sigil Witchery? So um, Visual Alchemy is a sibling, right? So they're definitely related, um, though you could get Visual Alchemy on its own and not you know, have read Sigil Witchery first. Though you will definitely get more out of Visual Alchemy if you have read Sigil Witchery first. Because I don't believe in like, here, let me rewrite the the other book so that, yeah. you know, either people love that or they hate it. <laughs> so like, just enough, just enough in here. Um, so Visual Alchemy is about the intersection of art and magic. And so it's partly about releasing fears that we have with art, which are very much akin to the fears that we have with magic. So if we're able to realize that we hold so many different barriers and boundaries in our heads when it comes to both magic and art, we can free ourselves and make more powerful workings in all of our ritual aspects. Because it's not just making visual art, it's all of the arts, but also everything that we do that is artful in our lives. And our arts, our lives are saturated with art, even if we don't recognize it. Uh, and the so it, it brings in that, but it also brings in the design aspects of sigil witchery that, you know, having taught that workshop now hundreds of times, like thousands of people, you know, I pretty much guess every question, you know, and I would keep tweaking things, you know, so like I eliminate the questions. Like now I get to the end of a workshop and like, any questions? And I like, you answered everything. Uh, you know, so what, what's been incorporated into this is parts of my design degree, like things that you're not going to get um, from any other magic book out there that things like composition and how, you know, how do you really condense this down and thinking of it in a way without having to go to design school for it. Um, and then it's also a collective of over 50 of the shared magic sigils because while they live on Pathos for now, I like having hard copies of things. And I love being able to have a reference material where people can say, here's the sigil, here's when it was made, what went into it, how to use it, um, and how you might want to tweak it so mm-hmm. that it's also a guide. So it's kind of doing a lot of different things. And what it differs from that initial concept, like when I said proposed visual alchemy in the first place, visual alchemy was really more of what became part of sigil witchery in that first chapter in the, the art and the correlation of it, but it just zeroed in to what's mm-hmm. specific for sigil witchery. And um, so this book, um, it kind of brings in more than an initial concept far beyond it. And I didn't really think there was gonna be a, you know, sigil witchery 2.0 yeah. uh, <laughs> kind of thing. But then it's like, oh, this is, this is what's needed. And that's how I tend to go. I don't be like, I need to write a thing. It's more of like what's needed in the world mm-hmm. um, that I am, uniquely qualified to to bring you know or what what the world is versus tapping on my head for in august uh the world needs 
to have a nice book about Gemini witches, which I am thrilled about. Already pre-ordered it. Um, obviously, I don't want to ask you too many details because the book's not out. I want everybody to get a chance to read it. But I do have a very serious and very important question about this book. Okay. As a fellow Gemini, what is your favorite part of being a Gemini? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Mm. <laughs> like... Is it because we can do so many things and have fun doing it? Or is it because we freak people out? That's fair. That's like a, mm-hmm. I think it's both. It's both. It's both. It's both. It's, and that's, that's why I think like, if, if we're going to give a meme to Gemini's, it's going to be the little both girl. Yeah. Why yeah. Why not both? Why not both? Honestly, why not both isn't even enough. It's like, why not all 12 things? Why not a hundred things? Why not everything? Yeah. We can, we can weed it out later. I was just going to, I'm going to grab all these. And then I'll figure out what I'm not going to eat. And then it's like, you don't want to not keep it. You want to keep it, but you're not really using it, but you're keeping it anyway, just like in the back. Yeah, you know, there might be somebody I can give this to later. Yeah. So people often want to know, like, what freaks Scorpio out? Now, I've been around Gemini for a really long time. So like, Gemini does not bother me, but I have to admit, whenever we get together with another Gemini friend, there's always a part of me that's like, oh, they can be scary together. Like... (laughs) like yeah this is a little yeah yeah we're a lot did you see that you do that all the time too you go like that to me so it's like one but like once you get it in stereo or more you're yeah yeah that that will freak a scorpio out they'll be like yeah this is dangerous and they they say we're dangerous yeah no 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 this is dangerous a gathering of gemini's it's like with scorpios you can tell it's coming yes (laughs) like the room shifts the energy changes like whoop here it comes and like Gemini's were like, I'm smiling at you the entire time, regardless of what's coming. I'm smiling about it. It's like, I think my favorite thing is like, you know, like Thumper and I have the hashtag spite witch on Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I love spite. Yeah. It's great. It's a fantastic thing. You know, spite coven, actually, I think that's what it is. Spite coven. Yeah. Uh, you know, like my favorite, my favorite book in high school was The Count of Monte Cristo. This is like, I love how everybody got their thing in the end like this this is fantastic um also ditto i'm a huge fan of the count of monte cristo she is okay cool (laughs) i love you this is fine i'm fine we're gonna i'm gonna we can't talk about gemini's the whole podcast so no we're gonna talk about other things talking about books that we need and you mentioned uh in we the liminal liminal um you could write a whole book about divorce because you kind of (laughs) talked about your divorce and one of the notes was (laughs) I could write a whole book about this. And I was sitting there going, yes, please. Because I was also divorced after 16 years of marriage. And I felt like my whole craft shifted mm-hmm. for the better once I got divorced. Um, so my question is, will you write a book about that ever? And um, did you feel that your divorce affected your craft? I have no ideas right now to write a book on divorce <laughs> sorry <laughs> i think it's a good thing to talk about um trying to put that in words that'll be interesting hmm. and yes so that definitely changed my path because like he knew who i was coming into things and being the kind of person he was was sort of like one of those let me systematically cut you off from all of the things that 
take you away from me um, mm -hmm. because I'm very jealous and possessive and a narcissistic asshole. And uh, so, you know, that really damaged so many of my friendships, um, people I was close to, um, you know, from the initial group to other you know, people. And I really stopped networking with other people. Right. Because like once you're like, well, fuck it, everything's going to become toxic. And so you just sort of shut down. Um, and that fact that even dance, like it was in the witchcraft stuff, it was in the dance stuff, it was in the art stuff, it was everything. And being able to <laughs> finally end that um, was like, now here it is, I can repair these relationships because most people were like, oh yeah, we knew he was an asshole. <laughs> we just stepped back, mm -hmm. but you're back, you're great, you know, and let's repair this relationship. Um, and it also meant like everything that I had just been just shutting down in myself suddenly opened back up. So health wise, everything changed, um, how I was mentally, emotionally, spiritually changed. And I'm in a really healthy relationship now and have been now we've been, we'll be married 10 years now. Um, <laughs> oh, it's time. What a time. Uh, and you know, he's, a total opposite and where like everything is supportive and let's do things if we do it together or if you want to do your own thing i'll do my own thing whatever it is um but all of it is in a a healthy supportive kind of way and it's so much easier to be like oh i'm gonna buy a book i want mm -hmm. <laughs> that will guilt or i'm gonna buy a tarot deck that i want you know or anything it's like whatever you need do the thing because it's not about control it's about support and you talk about your relationship with masculine energy and we have the limo as well. Did you find that your divorce also impacted that change in your relationship with the masculine? Uh, that's good. I mean, I would have to say yes. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> right? You know, really, I think the thing I was struggling out with also for maybe like 2005 onward to like until the, you know, 2011 is understanding it's not just like it could be a Gemini thing um but being gender fluid and really being drawn to these different aspects of myself and, and you know inspired by that and being again the freedom to mm -hmm. to tap into that and be like I can be as masculine or as feminine as I want and it's not a matter of making somebody else comfortable yeah <laughs> you know and like, and that seems like that should just be like, obviously you should be worried about making somebody else comfortable, but when you're living in a state, constant state of anxiety, um, because you don't want to be yelled or screamed at and, mm -hmm. you know, all the other, you just want peace, right? Which means you don't get peace. There is no peace, but you take the, there being no drama in the moment as peace everybody else gets peace and you have to hold on to the anxiety so that everybody else can be peaceful yeah so you know that definitely you know i i always knew that there are healthier examples of the you know of men out there because i have i have awesome brothers mm -hmm. i have two older brothers um my 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 dad is a pretty stand-up fellow. Uh, my grand you know my grandfather on my mom's side like i had really healthy examples um so it's like, well, how did, I don't know. <laughs> how did you go down that path? Because I had to learn some things, apparently. That's what we'll call it. Well, I thought <laughs> that'll be the title of the book. I had to learn some things, apparently. Okay, well, now it's happening. You picked a title, so you have to write it. Well, I mean, I think that's what's important. You know, when we're talking about witchcraft and we feel that we've taken control over so many things, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
whether we want to be spiritual witches or, you know, not religious witches, whatever. And we think, well, how can you fall into, because I've had friends say to me, how could you have been in a relationship with him? And I'm like, I don't know. Like I never came to that. I guess I had to learn some things. Now I'm thinking, oh shit, maybe I had to learn some things too. But you wonder about that. And I think sometimes witches feel like once you've almost mastered some things, like everything else is going to fall into places. Sometimes it does it. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, and sometimes you, you find yourself in these relationships that you will look back and you go, how the hell did I not see that? Or why was I doing that? Like, what was wrong? Mm-hmm. You know? So I guess that's where my whole mindset went with, you know, not writing a divorce book, but yeah, I think there's something about relationships that, which is still could learn some things. I don't know. Yeah, and it definitely like what kind of set off. I feel like it was the divorce year because, you know, having seen another friend who I was like, wow, I can't believe that she would get divorced, and she's you know been like a timid person and changed her whole life. I'm like, if she can do it, I can do it. And then like it set off like this whole like within our you know extended peer group and like not say we're all on top of each other, but this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And and you do start to analyze of like, well, fuck. I mean. I was 18. So what the hell did I know? And, oh, you know, he was 26. He knows so much. <laughs> now they're like, oh, the eighties <laughs> set me up poorly for a, less, <laughs> a lot of things about relationships. Um, you know, looking back, but also I, you know, I've always been the person who wanted to help and take care of people. And I was led to believe that he only had a limited amount of time left, which in the end, yes, he did. Um, <laughs> but it was much longer. Mm-hmm. It was much longer, but I'm like, oh, I should cherish this relationship in the now and yes, and do this. And this is my Hades Persephone moment, uh, you know, so you know, we, we have ways of talking ourselves into it where it seemed like a good idea at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I think on a more positive note, right. And this concept, this conversation about gender and relationships between masculine and feminine, we're watching this major shift both in society, but in the witchcraft community of moving away from this binary idea of gender. How does it feel to be a player in this transition, to be someone that people look at as an example to say, you don't have to be what everybody says you are? It's kind of, it's astonishing because, you know, like I'm just me. (laughs) I just, I'm just me figuring out my own shit and kind of relaying things that I find are helpful because, you know, that's the, that's the process, right? Like I learned a thing. This is working. Mm -hmm. Let me tell other thing, you know? (laughs) We share with all the other mice you know, what's going on. Now, at the same time, too, it's it's something I do take seriously because I, you know, I've had mentors in the past who are not the healthiest to people. And then there are mentors who are the most amazing people. It's like, all right, if you're going to be there, how do you be there for people? And how do you do be there in a positive way? Um, that's not manipulative and not for show and is realistic so that they too, you know, it's like I talk about anatomy is, you know, you're, everyone's a constellation, mm-hmm. right? So it's not just me being, a, you know, I'm like, I don't think I'm up here. I'm just, I'm just here. We're all in the pasture together. So this is our farm to table part. We're yes. all at the, this is the farm. We're all here at the farm, hanging out, being happy cows. <laughs> Only we're in California. That's very wet right now. So they're not so happy. So if we, you know, can kind of recognize like, what do we do that helps us that also helps other people, then like, that's, great you know but it's not like at the same time how to explain this it's a happy byproduct mm-hmm. you know of the experience and you know so it's the telling of stories right 
that's really, I think, one of the most powerful things we can do is to share our story uh, and for other people to listen and recognize themselves or what they would do or wouldn't do in that situation. Because I think our brains are most wired by stories. It goes back, this is why we tell children stories. This is why myths are so powerful. And so seeing that other people have lived or what they're doing for it, again, can really change in subtle ways. It's not overnight, like, boom. Sometimes it is, though. <laughs> Sometimes the switch flips and you're like, that's it. Yep. But it does. It, it, it helps to have a constellation, um, even as you're figuring out your own balls of gas. Claiming <laughs> balls of gas. I was going to ask um, what being a teacher means to you, but I feel like you just summed that up perfectly. And I guess... I want to know what's the next part of your story. You know, where are we going from here, Laura Tempest Zakroff, and how can I follow you? <laughs> That's, that is the, the existential crisis of the moment. What is yeah. That? Uh, now, you know, this could be this oracle. I'm still not sure if this oracle is like the next big thing, or this is my brain just being like, mm, I know we have some work to do, but let's just key to that to the side mm-hmm. and work on this in the meantime. So... Uh, we'll see. We'll see what 2023 brings. It could be really exciting. It could be not. <laughs> it will be really exciting. <laughs> but you can, you know, follow all the social medias on my website. The newsletter is the best way. The ye old newsletter, which is sent out about once a month um, at lauratempestsockcroft.com is kind of the best way to know what's going on. But I'm on the various social medias, but I'm not on the TikToks. Neither are we. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it gives me anxiety. <laughs> like making lots of little videos. Yeah. I have too much ADHD. It just immediately, I'm like on a rabbit hole. Yeah. (laughs) No. Choose your media wisely. (laughs) You want to do the rapid fire questions, Gemini? Yes. So I want to ask you a series of rapid fire questions. Um, Don't think, just answer. Yeah. Just answer. We'll just ping pong back and forth. All right. So favorite symbol to incorporate into sigils. Star. Favorite thing to draw? <laughs> the ridiculous thing in my brain said horses. I can't tell you the last time I drew a horse. <laughs> Your brain tells us the truth, though. You got to draw more horses. Yep. <laughs> um, favorite character or archetype you've embodied through dance? Uh, the horn god. Favorite spell? Cleansing. Cleaning my bathroom. That's a good one. Favorite blog post? My own blog post or somebody else's? Doesn't matter. Oh, I didn't specify. Yeah. <laughs> That's on me. Um, I, I'm going to choose my own because I can call, call upon it. It's the Burn It Down Winter Solstice one, I think from 2017. Set everything on fire. Favorite book? Does not have to be your own. Oh, so many. Um, I'm just going to pull the most kind of influential one, which would be Juniper by Monica Furlong. And favorite oracle card from your decks? My decks. I've got two decks to choose from. All right, that's uh, 80, <laughs> 80 cards, 90 cards, whatever that. Um, the dream card from the Anatomy of a Witch. Nice. So, because we have been stalking you a bit, we know you're going to be at the Witch City Tarot Gathering in Salem this summer. Yes. Um, it's going to be at the Hawthorne Hotel, so you guys can go online and look up which city tarot gathering. And there are other hotels if you can't get into the Hawthorne. It's from July 28th to the 30th. Mm-hmm. What can people expect from you there? 
so it's it's a great event. It's such a nice small event, and it's a great time to be in Salem because the rest of the year is sorry. September and November is a nightmare, so I, I don't go to Salem then. Um, but I have I had, had sent in a couple of proposals, but I think this one is going to be the one about the magic of numbers. Numbers, math is scary. No, it's not. Okay, math is scary. It's like is step scary. one. I like to make math. I really believe if we have math and magic taught alongside each other, it's less scary. But I'm not. We're not going to do calculus, so nobody panic. <laughs> I haven't done calculus in a really long time, so I'm not trying to go math. <laughs> um, you also offer classes on your website. Anything new for 2023? Uh, so I'm going to have um, kicking off um, a few intenses. I'll have the tips for tarot. I'm expanding the business of witchcraft. Uh, I might even take a subsidiary of that and do about events specifically, like how to organize events, because as things are coming back, perhaps, Mm -hmm. I think that's important information because I think we're going to see a lot of events and people forget (laughs) how to do things um, or don't know how to do it right. So trying to make people's role a little easier um, would be good. Before we do our goodbyes and our plug, I don't know why this is just a thing that came into my head right now. And I'm going to ask it at the end, whenever I do like readings for other people, I always make them ask me, what else do you need to know? And then I, the cards tell them. So, um, what else do we need to know? What do you need to know? (laughs) Anything you want to share with our listeners before we finish? Like, is it going to be something really pithy and deep or is it going to be something like cats are the best? (laughs) Acceptable answer. (laughs) Yes. I think what we need to know is that you can do the thing. And that is the, the essential part of witchcraft is like to not store things up and feel like you're going to at some point be ready to do the thing. You are ready to do the thing. And if you, you know, if it crashes and burns, you've learned something at mm-hmm. least in the process of doing it, that you can do it better next time. So um, get out experience and experiment. Um, do it safely um, with f- proper fire safety. <laughs> <laughs> thank you yes and and not everything natural should be put into your body um in any orifice and so do it wisely but go ahead and do the thing you, you're not gonna end the world hopefully thank you so much for being on our podcast and talking to us and sharing all of this this has been wonderful and yeah. i'm i'm just so excited for this to be something we get to put out this year Yay. Well, thank you so much. And it's actually, today's the anniversary of both the release of Weave the Liminal and Sigil Witchery, the official birthdays. Three Happy years. birthday. Five years. The books. It feels like they've been out longer. <laughs> Time is a construct. Yes. Five and four. Five and four years. Yes. I can math. I can math. See, talking about math. <laughs> You're the expert because I can't. <laughs> Thank you again for coming on this podcast. It was so wonderful to talk to you, and I'm so excited to share this with our listeners, who, of course, we have to thank for giving us the opportunity and the platform to continue to make content like this and talk to people like love of my life, Laura Tempest-Zakroff, and further interviews that I hope you'll be excited about as the year goes on. Thank you to Kano and Moore for our amazing intro and outro music. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us. 